What's up, everybody? I'm Chandler. And I'm Marvin. And you're listening to Afro Latinos Podcast. Yeah. A podcast where we explore our everyday lives. Some days we'll talk about something serious, and others we'll just be talking about sh- fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I put this explicit. I don't know if I can curse. Go for it. I can always change the matter. I don't care. You're right. Fuck it. Oh my god! Oh, I start early. You're starting off early. All right. So today, our first episode that we're going to be talking about is a little bit more on the serious side. Today, we're looking at the idea of identity, and this idea of identity, I think, is so rooted in so many different things. I mean, some people will look at identity and think of religion, sexual orientation, gender, race, socioeconomic status. There are so many things so many labels per se that people might put on us. And I think that each of us come from a different background. And the the great thing that that we have here with the Afro Latinos podcast is that we have some different viewpoints on the way that we've grown up. Um, I'm born in Pennsylvania, you know, I'm I'm African-American and I'm Dominican and Chandler, Chandler was born in Puerto Rico. So Chandler, what was that like for you growing up in Puerto Rico and then moving to the United States and kind of how did you come to define your identity? Um, I I don't know. I don't know if I want to call it hard, but you know, coming from a place like Puerto Rico, where it's it's just like, you know, it's an island. I didn't come from like you know the wealthy. I didn't come from uh, the good looking places. I kind of came just. I don't know what you would call it, like urban, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. And I I think I had it fine over there. I, life was good. And then I um I came here. It was a little different. Obviously having to learn a new language was difficult. But I caught on really quick actually. In like in like six months I learned English pretty fast and then um and then it just came just went up from there. So when when did you come to the United States? When did you move here? 2010, I believe. So, like, eight. No, no. Oh, yeah, like, what? Ten, uh, ten years where's ago? Your, where's, your, where's your math skills here, buddy? Come on. Ten, listen, <laughs> <laughs> I remember talking to somebody. And we're like, I've been, oh, okay. I've been in Sunbury for, like, oh, no, that's ten years also. No, no, actually, like, nine years. But, yes, ten years now. That's crazy. Time flies. Last time I said how long I've been here, it's been eight years. But it's been... Ten, Jesus. And so you were how old when you moved here in two thousand and ten? I was ten, and then it was like July, and my birthday's in September, so I I was about to turn eleven. So yeah, I turned eleven here. Wow, that's yeah. a that's a huge turning point too. Like that's that adolescent age, the coming of age, you know, hitting puberty around twelve, thirteen years old for males. You know, that's got to be huge. And hard, not only are you coming to a place where you don't know the language necessarily, but now you're trying to grow up and figure out who you are. So what was it like in the school system? Like, did, did you get bullied? Did you get picked on? Like, what was it you like see, for you growing up? I, what's funny is that uh, not knowing English, the first, I think, year or two, I don't, I don't know if people were like, you know, in any way or sort racist. Mm. But 
even even if they were kidding around now that I think of it now, like I remember being called like border jumper and stuff like that, like just mm. funny. And I thought it was funny, you know, then because I didn't really know much. I was like, oh, whatever, friends. Now I think about it, I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> That's right. Somebody called yeah. me border jumper now. We're scrapping. We're, we're mixing. Oh, yeah. We, you're going to catch me outside. Oh, yeah. You're going you to have to see me. That's right. Oh, they're seeing me. That's crazy. Hmm. Yeah, it's crazy to think about because it's really like, like you're just, you just got here. You don't really know the the language and, people, you know, you, you get some friends and you just, like, make fun and whatever. But, like, you grow up and then you realize that maybe they were kidding, like, obviously kidding, but the fact that they just said that, that they would have said it now right. in 2020 sure. is kind of crazy. Right. Wow. Yeah, they always there's that old like adage that you know sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. And I don't know who said that because <laughs> I've I've had some words been said to me over my twenty almost twenty four years of life. And I will tell you what, them suckers hurt, man. They hurt. Um, but yeah. So like, let's see. Did your family speak English at all before coming here? Or like, what was that like growing up with your family? And and then you moved to Sunbury, which now has a large, uh, a larger Hispanic population. But, but what was that like growing up? Was there a large, did you see, uh, I don't want to say this. Did you see a lot of other people who look like you, I guess? Did you see yourself represented in your community? Um, so even while I was in Puerto Rico, my my uncle was still in the U.S. because he he was in the Navy. Um, so there was still some English. My mom was born in New York, Bronx. So okay. she was born and raised there. She knew English. My uncle knew English. You know, a, a couple, certain amount of people in my family knew English. So it's like it was there. And the fact that my mom still had family in New York, I would travel there and back, there and back. Therefore, kind of knowing a little, but it was more of, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was just like it was there, but not enough for me to like speak it, hmm. maybe understand it. So, um, it wasn't, I think that's that's a little bit of why and how I learned English a little faster than most people. Most people have been here for like a while and their English is still chopped, but <laughs> <laughs> but I think. Yeah, I think that's part of it. So, like, when I got here, being in, uh, and then, like, you know, I, I don't want to, oh, no, in a white, let me, uh, yeah. A, a predominantly white, white neighborhood, right. Yes, yeah, right. Yeah, in a white neighborhood, and, like, middle school was, I think, seriously filled with white people. Um, I don't know if I really, I don't know if I remember really seeing Hispanics, because, if there were some Hispanics, I remember I had an ESL class and there was like uh, a total probably like seven people there. And that was like, mm. but that was like middle school. So like ever since then, I don't, I don't know why, but there's so many Hispanics here now. Right. I mean, you, you were a teacher. Yeah. If for those people that don't know, Albin's a Spanish teacher at the high school. So there's a there's a good amount of Hispanics that have came here. That I don't know from where, but they just came here. So it's kind of it's kind of cool to share this area, I guess, with 
more Hispanics, just so sure. you don't feel alone. Right. You know? It's always it's always better like to see yourself in other people and like our representation and film and movies and TV and whatever oh God, else. Yeah. You know, it's it's cool to see, but most oftentimes I think there's a negative connotation or that we see negative representation in, in that type of things. And we could talk about that on another episode. That sounds like a topic kind of for another day. Oh, um, but but when I think about like identity and I think about trying to figure out who I am and where do I belong, and I think that that this is a question that not only minorities feel, but I think that everyone feels, where do I belong? And that question is such an important question to ask and to have an answer for. But I think that for minorities, a lot of us, we struggle because it, it makes it that much harder to find where we belong when, in your case, Chandler, you didn't speak the language. So how do I fit in and when do I hang out with this group of people or do I hang out with this group of people? Who's going to accept me when I'm still trying to figure out you know, who I am and where I fit in? Yeah, it's still crazy, too, because, like, um, for those people, like, I went through it, and for those people that are also going through it now, you know, they they move here from different like, different surroundings and different, like, language, and then they try to grow up here and try to see, like, where they fit in. It was kind of difficult, and I can, you know, I stand with those people that are, that are kind of going through that right now because absolutely, uh, you come here and there's already people who are, uh, I guess together per se um no they for have sure, they, for sure. some already have uh their stuff figured out some are still figuring it out like to this day i kind of know where i stand um i think i figured it out like not too long ago not too long ago i'm 20 years old you know like i had to learn how to grow up here i have to learn how to adapt to like everything around me so yeah I, it's it's difficult and i can i can say that i was i was there once and for those people that are doing it now they and they're still here you know that's that's pretty crazy to me yeah it's definitely it's definitely crazy and it's definitely excuse me it's definitely like something that i think a lot of people struggle with but it's one of those things that not everybody will talk about and like so for me you know figuring out who i am and what my identity was is like a, a super long process. So I'm like I said at the beginning of the episode, you know, my dad is black, my mom is Dominican. Her parents were born in the Dominican Republic. So, you know, her first language was Spanish. But my dad, he doesn't speak Spanish. I mean that he he didn't even think he took French in high school. So so <laughs> learning Spanish was never a priority for him. It was never even a thought until he got to college. He met my mom, then they got married. Right. And so like growing up at home, we kind of like my mom would give us like commands or she would tell us to do things in Spanish. And so I always kind of knew a little bit, but I never really, I guess I never really saw the need to learn Spanish because I, you know, we spoke English at home. I would go to my grandparents in New York when we would go and visit for the summers and, you know, most of them spoke English. So it never felt like it was a priority to me. And when people look at me, the first thing they see is the color of my skin. And so they don't think that I'm Latino. They have no idea that I, that I speak Spanish. And it's been a process to get to this point. But, you know, all my life, it's always been um, 
trying to determine who I am and where, where do I, am I, you know, more on the African-American side or, or do I attest to the more right, Latino right. side of, of who I am? And, and so growing up in, in middle school and elementary school, trying to figure out where I belong, you know, people see me as black. So for a long time, I basically didn't even tell people that I was Hispanic because it was just easier to say that I'm black. You know, my, my full name, Auburn Luis Garcia Johnson. So until you get to the middle, <laughs> you know, of my name, and, and no one ever knows that it's... I have two middle names, that Garcia is one of my names. But, you know, until you learn that about me, they're like, oh, yeah, he's black. Oh, do you speak Spanish? I get that question all the time. Do you speak Spanish? I, I'm a Spanish teacher, and I still get the question, you know. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm Dominican. And people look at me like a deer in a headlights. They are so surprised to believe that, like, I speak Spanish, I'm half Spanish, I could possibly be a Spanish teacher, because on the outside, all that they see is black. And so yeah, for how, me, uh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, um, like, since we were on the topic a little bit of you growing up, um, you are a mix of literal black and Dominican, so... Mm-hmm. Dominicans are also dark skinned, mm-hmm. most of them mainly. So, regardless of that, um, you didn't grow up too too far back, like than me. Like I, I'm a, I'm 20, you're 24 now. So obviously, it's only been like a four year difference. But like, mm-hmm. how was how was it for you growing up being like, you know, I I can guess colored in a way, I guess. So I think that um, for me, a lot of the of a lot of the struggle, and that's kind of where I was getting to. A lot of the struggle for me was more internal than external. Um, I never really had a problem fitting in with anyone. Um, you know, when we moved to this area, so I've been in Milton for the last like nineteen, almost twenty years, um, and so for the majority of my life, I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood a white town um oh i see where you live oh i know (laughs) (laughs) but um a lot of people um you know so so being that i grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood you know i didn't really have a choice there were not a lot of people that looked like me around and so my friends growing up were all white i don't think i had my first black friend until i was in high school but you know what's funny is that for me and here's and here's Chandler. here's what where this gets really interesting I didn't feel like I fit in with the black students because the way that I acted, the way that I lived my life was different than the way that they lived their life. And it was different than the way that the Hispanics who were at my school lived their life. Even though I was Hispanic, I did not feel like I was able to sit with them or or hang out with them or play sports with them because that's not where I felt comfortable. And it's, so a lot of... Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I was just going to agree with that. The fact that I've heard also... I've, I've not only heard, but also uh, seen the fact of, like, like, whitewashing. Like, you know, you're you kind of... You're black, you know, but it's like you grew up with, like, a certain amount or a certain people that you kind of... I wouldn't say forget, like, what you are, but in a way it's like you feel like it's wrong in a way, but it's like, you're black. Like you shouldn't be worried about like, and I get it. 
you know, like, because you went through mm-hmm. that, you, you grew up with, like, uh, you know, mainly white people, and, and obviously, you didn't get your, a, that's crazy to me, you didn't have, like, your first black <laughs> friend until high school, that's yeah. crazy to me. Yeah. I I could I couldn't even I can name I can literally count the number of black friends in, in high school and middle school on one hand because there were just not enough people that looked like me that I felt comfortable to be around and so for me it was like you know I grew up I grew up with this phrase and it's a phrase that I hear all the time and there's this there's this idea um, in anthropology and about like sociology about these things called um, microaggressions. Are you familiar with microaggressions, Jenna? Yeah. So microaggressions are essentially little words and phrases and little things that people say or do that they may not know are are affecting you in ways that that you may not or that they may not have expected. So the dictionary definition says that it's a term used for brief and commonplace daily verbal, behavioral, or environmental indignities, whether intentional or unintentional, that communicate hostile, derogatory, or negative prejudicial slights and insults towards any group, particularly cultural marginalized groups. So, so basically, I think... what I, basically what I was talking about earlier, like when they said to me when I was younger, and I didn't, like they probably didn't mean it like as a sure, bad exactly. way, but exactly. like... Yeah, but yeah. they don't realize, you know, even though it may be, and that's why they're called microaggressions instead of macroaggressions. You know, a macroaggression would somebody be somebody seeing you on the schoolyard and saying, hey, you know, expletive, go back to your country, or you're a border jumper, go back to your country. Oh, yeah. No, you know, and, then, <laughs> and then you get then you get beat up for being who you are. And that was what the idea of a macroaggression is, as opposed to a microaggression, which is kind of on a smaller scale. It's kind of the words and the phrases that people say and do. And so one of the things that I always heard, and this comes from, I guess, where I grew up and the people that I surrounded myself with was, oh, you, you don't sound, you don't sound black. You sound white. <laughs> I still say that to this day. And it's funny. And, and you know, it, it's funny. And growing up, it never bothered me. I heard it all throughout middle school, high school, whatever, People would look at me and see, you know, like I'm dressed kind of nice. I don't have my pants. I got, whatever their idea of black was, I did not meet their criteria. But just because I don't match their criteria of what black is doesn't take away the fact that I'm black. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. and, and, and so I would hear that all the time and it never bothered me until I really confronted myself one day and I said, OK, well, what are they trying to say? What they're trying to say, what they're trying to say is, you don't fit the stereotype of what I see when I see black people. But Mm -hmm. I had to realize, even though I may sound quote unquote white, and you know, when you ask them, well, what does that mean? Well, what do you mean by that? Yeah, you can't really sound like they can't answer. They can't answer that. I can't sound like a race. I can't sound like a color. That's not a thing. You know, we don't. You know, if I look in the dictionary of what a black person is or whatever, I'm not going to hear the the standard uh, uh, pronunciation of their language. That, that doesn't exist, right? And so, you know, when you confront someone that says something like that, they have no idea how to respond because it's something that has just been in their vernacular and in their way of speaking for so long that they don't even know, they don't even realize that it's a problem, but it is. And so for me, I had to kind of realize like, you know, sure, I don't fit your criteria of what, 
black is supposed to look like, but it's who I am, you know? And, and, and so eventually I got to the point where I I started confronting people and I was like, okay, well, you're going to have to explain what you mean by that. Because for me, that ain't going to fly. You talking about me like that, that's, that's not going to cut it. Right. Um, And then eventually it became like connecting to the Latino side of me that I kind of had hidden for so long. And I really didn't start learning Spanish for real, for real until like middle school, high school. And then obviously I, I wanted to be a Spanish teacher. Um, so I went to college and I did that thing. And now I'm here doing what I love to do. But I fell in love with the Spanish language and it opened up this entire new side of me where now I'm able to communicate with my friend or with my uh, my relatives. I can talk to my grandmother who barely speaks English still to this day, you know, and that was something that I didn't have. That was a connection that I never had with that side of my family. And I think that that kept me back from doing a lot of what I was supposed to do. To give you kind of, yeah, like for sure, um, kind of like an idea of like what we grew up with. Um, my gradu- my graduation class was like, I don't know, like 200, 300 people probably, Um the amount of colored people in total were probably like 30, right? Mm-hmm. 20, 20, 20 something. Yeah. Like almost 30, like only 20 something colored people that includes Hispanics and blacks and whatever, you know, colored people there. There's only like Hispanics and black people here. There was only like, I can, that I can count on the top of my head, like four, like four Hispanics. Four Hispanics and like the rest were like black, and that was only like twenty something, thirty people out of like three hundred. Mm-hmm. So like, that's still, you know, you grow up, you don't really. Okay, so the fact is that moving from somewhere you're used to to this, like you grow up with like literally, I came from, I literally came from the island, you know, all Puerto Ricans. Rarely any, rarely any white people there. Mm-hmm. Obviously, unless you go to like San Juan or something. But those are um, that's tourists. So changing from that to basically an all white, I'll say cast because you know I'm I'm in the industry now. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. So yeah, primarily white people. It's, in a way, it's interesting. It's also a good thing, you know. You 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 get to learn like a different culture and you know, what what people do in the United States. You kind of adapt to it, but you never forget your roots. Right, right. I miss Puerto Rico. To be honest, do you ever think you miss... do you ever think you would want to move back? Oh, for sure. Well, I, I was listen. Okay. I would love to. I don't know. I would love to move back. Will I? I I don't I don't see like huge chances for it, but it's still a possibility. I would love to go back there. I love I love that place. You know, it's where I grew up, um, the culture. It's it's such a beautiful culture. And like music, food, um, celebrations all of that all that's so it's so interesting if you like when you go back and like obviously living there it's just like you celebrate it 
and you're you're a part of it. You don't mm-hmm. really think about it. Mm-hmm. You leave, you come here, they celebrate completely different stuff, and you think back like, oh my god, like all the stuff that I celebrated is different. But like, I loved it. Mm-hmm. I don't, I like celebrating the stuff here sometimes. It's it, it, it's it's broad, and it's interesting, and you learn more about about the people around you, uh, about like past all that stuff but yeah all right well i think that this topic right now that we're that we're getting to and this kind of idea of moving back to our homeland or visiting maybe our homeland and seeing you know there's an identity that comes back with going back to our roots and so i think Chandler, that this is the perfect time to take a break so we'll be right back with more after this Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for listening to Afro-Latinos. Before the break, we started talking about something that I want to continue this conversation because I think it's really interesting. So um, Chandler started off during the episode talking about where he comes from, talking about being born in Puerto Rico. Uh, Before we get there, Chandler, do you find yourself, when you say Spanish words like Puerto Rico, saying them like in Spanish as opposed to Puerto Rico, does that bother you? When people say Puerto Rico, or like, do you find yourself like randomly like, yeah, yes, like two summers ago, I was going to Puerto Rico. And then you, out of all of a sudden, your Spanish comes out of nowhere. Does that happen to you? <laughs> yes. And I don't, I, I don't know if it would, I don't know, because I do like, I don't, I don't want to say it bothers me, but if it was, I would say, if I were to say Puerto Rico, obviously I, I say Puerto Rico instead of. Puerto Rico. Um, I think it's just so people, uh, to be honest, I think that's called just, it's code switching. So, sure, you know, whoever you're talking to, I'm going to, if I'm, if I'm talking to a Hispanic person, obviously I'm going to say however, but if I'm talking to a regular American, whether black, white, an American, I would say Puerto Rico mm-hmm. just to make them, mm-hmm. just code switching, make them understand. Mm-hmm. But, I do I, that now that you say that it's funny because if I ever say anything like that that there's all oh, the way about saying it in Spanish mm-hmm. it makes me I wouldn't say I make it doesn't bother me but it's like eh, because of where I've been so I don't know it it's kind of part of the uh, the fear of being judged, you know what I mean. Sure. Even though you know it's my my culture, I came from there. I shouldn't be. I don't care what anybody says, because it's where I came from, and uh, I you know I'm Puerto Rican, top to bottom from the heart, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, it's more. It it kind of bothers me, but you know whatever. However it comes out, it comes out. Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico. However they. You know. Que será, será, right? Será, será. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> you know, this is interesting, Chandler. So you're talking now about, um, you know, when you reference the island of Puerto Rico, you, you, you're saying, this is my country. This is my land. This is my home. These are my people. So 
before the break, we started kind of talking about would you want to go back and, and live in Puerto Rico? And and so, Chandler, do you feel like, you know, Puerto Rico or Puerto Rico is, is your land, it's your country, it's your home, but you've lived here for now 10, 10 years. So half of your life you've lived here in the United States. So do you feel like you would be able to operate um in Puerto Rico with would that would they consider you Puerto Rican or would they consider you an American because you've been gone for so long? What do you think your identity lies in your native country? Absolutely Puerto Rican. I you know, no matter I was I lived there, I was born and raised there. So I they they better see me as Puerto Rican and they will continue to see me as Puerto Rican because I still speak Spanish to this day. I, I, I literally celebrate everything that we do over there. Um, you know, um, if I go back, everything, every, nothing, nothing has changed except the fact that I live here now. You know what I mean? I'm Puerto Rican by heart. And if I go back, I'm still going to be Puerto Rican. They're going to see me as Puerto Rican because of, obviously of my color, the way I look, it's just the way I sound. It's still gonna be the same. And Interesting. I don't. It's. I don't know. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I mean, that's a tough question, because a lot of the it things. Is. A lot of the things that you're saying, Chandler, are, I'm Puerto Rican. You know, I see myself. So they better see me how I see me. But I mean, if we're talking about identity, and most times, like we've talked about throughout the entire episode, people don't see each other or other people through our eyes they see it through their eyes you know and so see, so while we, while we while Chandler you may see yourself as you know the blood runs through your veins you're Puerto Rican all et cetera et cetera et cetera will people who live in Puerto Rico and who have never left will they accept you as Puerto Rican or will they see you as something different and if that were the case how do you think that would make you feel see because I think all right, so the the people here, you, you know, not everybody's going to see me the, the way I see me, but I have a, a very strong belief that your own people are going to know where you're from. Your own people are going to be like, oh, I can see you as Puerto Rican. And if they ask me, like, hey, like, where were you born or whatever, I'm going to say Puerto Rico. And they're going to be like, ah, okay, you're from there you're still Puerto Rican, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even even here, no matter how much English I speak, no matter anything, I will speak Spanish in my own house. I will keep, like, I will be how I always was, even in Puerto Rico, wherever I'm still, you know, <clears throat> my my culture, I, I celebrate it. I love it. Uh, to this day, culture, language, everything has not changed. Obviously, you know, if I ever were to decide to go back, I'd have to change my surroundings. I'd have to adapt into um, not how it was, but, you know, you start new. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, I would just go back to my uh, quote-unquote Puerto Rican ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so Chandler, now, this is, this is another question that I have for you. Um, now, your fiancé, you're engaged, right? You're engaged. Uh-huh. And your fiance is also Puerto Rican, correct? Right. But 
to my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, she doesn't speak Spanish. Right. So what is no, right. what does that look like for you? Is that is that something that was important to you that you know your significant other and this point your fiance she doesn't speak your language as you said this was your language and if you I don't know what your future holds I don't know your future plans but you know do, would you want your kids in the potential future to grow up speaking Spanish is that a conversation that you guys have had Oh yeah absolutely my kids are going to speak Spanish <laughs> they are it's my I oh for sure my my mom you know my parents uh, obviously, they've gone back from New York, Puerto Rico, New York, Puerto Rico, but I've still managed to learn both English and Spanish. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a common thing. It's known, obviously. People like me, I can do it. And uh, plenty of other Puerto Ricans can do it. Um, my kids are going to. My mom is going to make sure that they speak Spanish. <laughs> so <laughs> we all know how that is. <laughs> does Does Ruby want to learn Spanish? Is she learning? Yes, she wants to learn. I'm kind of working on like teaching her she understands a lot mm-hmm. um uh, eventually i know for sure you know she's still she's still growing she's still gonna get there she's eventually she's going to know how to speak it but obviously you can't learn all at once sure. but eventually yeah she's she definitely understands spanish she can pick up um social cues i guess and she can kind of you know off words that she knows she can kind of put it together and be like oh this is what they're saying mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I know eventually, I know for sure because my my mom's cousin's ex-wife, she is white, she's American, and she knows Spanish because she grew up, I want to say grew up, well, kind of, but she was around, you know, my family and, you know, like my cousin's expanded family, and she eventually learned Spanish. She speaks it. And she understands it. Her, her children speak Spanish, obviously. And now they speak English. She's like, they know Spanish, they know English. You just have to learn how to be, and then to navigate both. You know. Yeah, yeah. Like obviously, you speak Spanish in the house. You know, your family's going to speak Spanish. Obviously, you know they have no other way to communicate. And then you're going to learn English for when you go to school if you're in the United States. So. It's just kind of something. And for sure, my my children are going to speak Spanish. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Um, so now I want to kind of transition. So we were talking about your experiences and, you know, when you go back to Puerto Rico or if you ever were to move back to Puerto Rico, you know, what, what that kind of looks like for you. And it, it kind of made me think back to a couple of years ago. I think it was 2018, uh, November 2018. My church was going on a mission trip to the Dominican Republic. And I was so... Was that the first time you ever went to that was uh, the, the Dominican that Republic? That was the very first time I'd ever stepped foot on Dominican soil. And so, again, it's been this whole process for me growing up of trying to figure out who I am, where I belong, kind of rediscovering this Latino side of me that I'd kept hidden for so long. And so, like, they announced that we were going to Dominican Republic to build a school or, and we were doing some work. And I was like, sign me up. I've got to go. Like, this is who I am. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. And for me, like, if I don't go, I feel like I may never I may never get there. I haven't made it yet. So if I don't go now, I'm never going to get there. You know, that, that type of idea. Um, and it was surreal being there 
And it felt so weird for me to be there and to imagine what it would have been like for my grandparents and their their siblings and you know their family to grow up and to see the streets and to see the towns that they grew up in. You know, it was really kind of cool. And we got to meet up with some family members while we were there. And, and it was all amazing. And I remember talking, you know, we, we took a bus driver who picked us up and, and from the place that we were staying and would drive us to the locations of where we were building and all that stuff. And I remember talking to him in Spanish, you know, and this was weird for me because even though I'm a Spanish teacher, even though I've been, you know, I'm Dominican, I don't always feel confident in my Spanish speaking abilities. Um, I think mm -hmm. a part of that is because I'm a teacher, uh, because I know like what the rules are supposed to be. And so I'm always thinking, oh, did I say that right? Did I conjugate that verb right? Is this the right, way that it's right, supposed right. to be rather than just trying and doing it? Um, and so it was kind of, for me, like weird and scary, to be honest, because I didn't know, you know, would these people, these Dominican people, if, if we have a conversation, if I tell them, yeah, you know, I'm Dominican, how are they going to accept me? And will they accept me? And how is that conversation going to go? And I remember being so scared and being so nervous because there were so many words that I still didn't understand. And there were so many little things that I weren't that I wasn't able to capture. And so I'm talking to the bus driver and I just remember telling him with tears coming down my eyes, you know, like, this is my home. This is my people. And telling him how how much it meant to me to be able to finally be in my country with my people. Um, and it was like it was a day that I will never forget. Um, I, it's Yeah. Um... I don't know why, but like, there's that feeling like here, you know, you know, it's just like your everyday life. You live here, you know, you go through everything. You're you're fine, but just being where you're from, it just feels so good. It's like this is this is this is my people, right. like you said. Right. Like I'm from here, you know. It's because I I have a friend who um. I have a friend from TikTok. Shout out, Senor Edison. Go, go watch him on TikTok. He's really good. Uh, he's funny too. Um, he, he has. I think his mom or one one of his parents is from Puerto Rico, but obviously he was born in Florida. So he's not like he's not from the island, mm -hmm. but he still represents Puerto Rico so hard. All his videos, he'll make he'll he'll make sure that you know he's from Puerto Rico and his family's from Puerto Rico and all that stuff. And that's such a like amazing thing for me because it's like, no matter where you are, Puerto Rico is going to like be known. Mm -hmm. Like, you, you know what I mean? It's like Puerto Rico's here, Puerto Rico's there and culture. It's just such a big thing. Cause I, like my fiance, my fiance is from New York, but, in the in the Bronx, Brooklyn, all that. There's a lot of Puerto Ricans, especially the Bronx. Right. That's what Absolutely. And so those we call New Ricans because mm -hmm. it doesn't matter mm -hmm. if you're from the island or not. You're Puerto Rican by heart, by blood. Por la sangre, exactly. And I, 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 yeah, I love that so much. So the fact that, like, I, actually, I'm glad that you got to go to Dominican Republic because obviously you you didn't never got a chance to go there, know your own culture, you know your own. And it, it, and it was such a great experience because we got to eat the food and I got to talk to the people and kind of hear stories. And it, and it was the first time, 
like so obviously my entire life growing up you know being in a predominantly white neighborhood is whatever like i would go visit my dad's family and i would be around black people or i'd go to school and there were a couple of us you know what i mean um and so I was kind of around black people. They, it was not something that I was not used to seeing and not I was not used to being around. And then I would go to visit my family in New York and then I would be around my Dominican family. But again, I didn't speak the language. So for the majority of times, I didn't understand what was going on. And my cousins who I spent the most time with, they all spoke English. So we just spoke English to each other. And so being in the DR, I finally got that experience and I finally got to feel what it, what it, I got to connect with, like I said, that connect with that side of me that I had kind of pushed away for so long and kind of got to feel, you could just like feel the, 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 what's the word? Feel the patria uh, in your blood. Oh my you know God. I mean? I, yeah, I come, oh my God. You yes. got to feel like this is where I belong. This is, you know, not saying that I am renouncing my black heritage, you know what I mean? But, it, you know, this is the part of me that I was missing. You know? Oh, yes, for sure. Yeah, no, I, ho- I hope you, I actually hope you, you you go and you, you know, you're able to go back sometime in your life, you know, whether it's oh, absolutely. at least one I'm going back. time. Oh, I'm going back. When you, <laughs> oh, I'm going back for sure. I'm going to go back sometime in my life. Um, I was going to say, um, you, it must be nice being part of uh, both worlds, you know, I, I'm just, I'm just raking uh, Puerto Rico. I don't really get. I'll, get much over here, no, dude, I'll tell you, I'll tell you where it comes in the most. Food, man. Man, you can't you guys, eat like good old fashioned soul food on one side, and then you got the arroz, and you got the guandules, you got the, the patelito, the tostones. I mean, you got that. You, got, you put it all in one, yeah. you got the pernil, you put that all in one plate, oh, bro, it'll change your life. I'm telling you. And, and so, the one, yeah, the got... one place that's just like everything just creates that perfect harmony it's in the food so we split like holidays and my dad cooks we get one side if my mom cooks we get the other side and it's just it's dope man it's just dope i bet you get to i don't mean to sound racist this is about to be real out of pocket right here don't even say it because we don't even be no, we don't no, even be eating fried pocket. chicken like that don't even come from I was like just... that. <laughs> i was gonna say that <laughs> Combination. It was a combination. I was like, must be nice to eat, oh, you know, fried chicken with like cheese and we don't bit, even be doing it. Things. ain't even all like that. <laughs> uh, my bad. My nah, bad. It's all good. It's I all know. good. It's all good. It's all good. But yeah, so um yeah, it was good. And I can't wait to get back. I just can't wait to get back. One day. One day. Someday, someday, someday. Well, Chandler, I don't know. Go go ahead. I was just going to, once I, uh, I mean, I can go back any day, to be honest. I can literally go back once this corona leaves, obviously. But um, uh, I could go back any day, to be honest. But I'm thinking just, like, when I'm not filled with stuff here. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Once, like, you know, because I have, well, I now have school, and eventually I'm going to hopefully be in the acting business, you know, be in some sort of show, movie, something. Um, but, you know, like, once once I have, like, a little a little off time during all that business stuff, I would love to go back and just just 
to finally a vacation, you know, even if it's for like a week, that'd be fantastic. Absolutely. Definitely. Well, this seems like a good episode. It seems like a good, it just seems like a natural place to stop. But I just want everyone to think about and to remember that it's okay to be different. It's okay to be who you are. You know, I get I get this idea, and I always, you know, one of my favorite movies growing up in childhood um, was The Lion King. And there's the famous line from The Lion King when Mufasa in the clouds says to Simba, Simba, remember who you are. And that, that kind of mantra resonates with me so much because it's something that I constantly have to think about. You know, remember who you are. Remember Absolutely. who your family is, where you come from, and be you. It's okay to be you because who you are is who you're meant to be. You're not a mistake. You know, nobody messed up when making you, you know, you are exactly who you are supposed to be. And so you just got to know that, you know, your identity, whatever your identity is. And today we talked a lot about race, but whatever your identity is, whatever you're thinking about, whatever that label is, I want people to remember that only you can put labels on yourself. Other people can try, but the only ones that are going to stick are the ones that you decide to make stick. And so remembering who you are and where you come from, no matter what walk of life that is, no matter who that is, no matter who you're deciding to be, who you are is who you are. And you shouldn't change for anyone. Don't stop. I don't ever stop rapping where you're from, where you grew up, you know, any of that. Continue wherever you're at continue to rep where you came from and you know don't ever forget where your family's from where you you know all of that don't ever forget it you're who you are you decide wherever wherever you are thank you so much everybody for listening catch us on anchor spotify apple anywhere podcasts can be found we look forward to sharing our thoughts and our lives with you all que tengan buen dia Y adiós.